A lot of people say that they don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. And as a Christian, I feel like it's my duty to teach it to you. Welcome to the Ghetto Bible Tales. I'm your host, Jerrica, and here we talk about biblical and spiritual things in a comical yet understandable way. We're going to learn, but we're going to laugh too. So grab your Bibles and your sense of humor and get ready for this. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Jerrica, and I am back with yet another ghetto Bible tale. And today we're going to discuss, you know, that time when old girl stabbed that dude in the head with a tent peg. So get ready for this one. So on today, we're going to be talking about Jael or Yael, depending on where you're from, how you pronounce it. Um... This story was actually requested by my cousin, Lori. She said that she had never, ever heard of this, this uh, biblical story before. And so here we are. But before we can get into the story of Jael, we must first discuss the rules of context. I have a video that is better dedicated to the rules of context that breaks it down completely for you. I will leave a link to that video in the description box. But for the sake of this story, we're going to run through them real fast. Rule number one of context is language. The Bible wasn't originally written in English. It was originally written in ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek. Think about that when you're reading it. Rule number two is history and culture. The history and culture of the Bible is of ancient Israel. Your modern day cultural rules will not apply to the Bible. It does not work. So please don't do that. Okay. Rule number three is reading the Bible as a whole. Too many times people cut and snip and take pieces of the Bible and try to make it mean something that it doesn't. They take it out of context. You must take the Bible for what it is from beginning to end. And the final rule of context, which is the most important rule of all, is the Holy Spirit. You must talk to the Lord, your God, ask him to bestow his Holy Spirit upon you so that you may gain understanding of his word. Once you have an understanding of the rules of context, we can continue on in our story. Now, the story of Jael takes place in the book of Judges, chapter four. I have done um, a video on uh, Judges chapter three, which was the ju- uh, the story about Ehud or Ehud. I will leave a link to that video in the description box below. It's one of my old ones. But to give you some context, we can't tell the story of Jael without talking about Deborah. So y'all are going to get a twofer today. We're talking about Deborah and Jael. So this story starts after Ehud dies. Like I said, I've done a video on him. Uh, Ehud was the previous judge of Israel. Before Israel had kings, they had judges. Um, A judge, well, honestly, a judge could be anybody. There were no, there were like no stipulations like there wasn't anything that you had to do to be a judge it's like God chose you and then that means you're the leader so Ehud was the previous judge he was not a military man he from what I can tell in the Bible he was just a regular person and God just chose him he was one of the people who had the longest period of peace for the children of Israel while he reigned as their judge um the judge to me before they had kings the judges operated it kind of seemed like they were like a president like it was more, it seemed like more of a democracy when the judges were present and they were, and judges were also kind of like a direct mouthpiece to God, but they were most, mostly like the spokesperson for the people. 
and they were leaders. And this was before they had a king, like I said. They they were judges. And so, you know, it wasn't a family thing. It wasn't like your dad was a judge, so that means you become the next judge. It wasn't like that. It was like God just picked a random person. And so after Ehud dies, God picks a woman by the name of Deborah. She becomes the new judge of Israel. Um, and Deborah was a prophetess. Now, all judges weren't prophets. Like I said, Ehud wasn't a prophet. Um, and there was a judge that was like a, um, he was like a warrior. Like each judge was different. Nothing, no judge was the same, but anyway, Deborah was a prophetess and she was the next person to become a judge after Ehud. She was chosen by God, not the people. The people never chose the judge. God always chose the judge. So Deborah becomes the judge of Israel. Apparently while Deborah is the judge of Israel, after Ehud dies, Israel has pissed God off again, which and they did. And because of that, God had lifted his protection of them off. And so they end up being conquered by uh, Canaan and their king, which his name is Jobin. Jabin? Jabin or Jobin? His name is at the bottom of the screen. He conquers the children of Israel. So my assumption about them is that they probably went back to idol worship, which seemed to be like it was a revolving door with the children of Israel. Like they served God for a while. And I think Ehud's period of peace was, was it, was it 80 years? I think it was 80 years. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 80 years. Or was it 20? My math, the math ain't math. But he had the longest period of um, peace. But my assumption is that they fell back into idol worship and this has pissed God off. So, you know, he kind of just said, you know what? Let your idols protect you. And he lifted his hands protection off of them and boom, they fall into slavery of the Can the Canaanites. Um, being that Deborah was a prophetess, she was the communicator with God for the people as well as their judge. So they kind of got it double whammy because most of the time it would be a judge and then it would be a prophet who spoke to God for them. But in this case, Deborah was the prophet and she was the judge. So she had been having open communication with God. And at this time, there was a man by the name of Barak. He was from the tribe of Nephtali and he was a military leader. Um, God had told Deborah to tell this man to deploy troops at Mount Tabor from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun and to battle the Canaan army that was led by Sisera. So Deborah goes and she tells Barack what God has said. And um, Barack says that he is not going to Mount Tabor to battle unless Deborah goes with him. And Deborah agrees to go. But she makes sure to let Barack know that because, because he because he didn't outright jump on board with going to Mount Tabor that he wouldn't get any glory for the winning of this war. So basically when Deborah came to Barack, he kind of showed his lack of faith by saying that he wasn't going to go to Mount Tabor unless she went. And some like to believe that God had spoke to Barack already. I don't know. I don't really know. Cause I, to me, you can't really, can't really tell if he was like a man of God or not. I couldn't tell. And the Bible didn't, didn't necessarily say that he was. It just said that he was like a military leader. 
But he showed a lack of faith by saying that he wasn't going to outright just go to Mount Tabor. Like he never would have had to, had to go with him. And because of that, he lost, you know, bragging rights, I guess you could say. He wouldn't be credited with the victory of this war. Even though he's the military leader, he was not going to be credited with victory. Somebody else would. Deborah and Barack take 10,000 troops and they head to Mount Tabor. Now, moving right along, we get into a, a man by the name of Heber, the Kenite. Um, I might be saying the name wrong. His name is at the bottom of the screen. Heber is a Kenite. And y'all know the Kenites are the descendants of the in-laws of Moses. So Moses' wife, Zipporah, was a Kenite. And Heber is obviously from that bloodline. He had apparently separated himself from the Kenites because he left their dwelling place and he went and pitched, pitched a tent in Kadesh. The Kenites reported to Cicero. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but Cicero was the commander of the Canaanite army. Okay? This is who God told Barak to go to battle against. So the Kenites reported to Cicero about Israel and they 10,000 troops that were on the way to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathers his army and he goes after them. Now, they all meet at Mount Tabor and they start throwing down. So Israel and Sisera's army battle and uh, Israel prevails while Sisera escapes. So Israel beats the Canaanite army and their leader flees like he runs. So Sisera ends up at Heber's tent and he is greeted by Heber's wife, Jael. Or Yael, however you want to pronounce it. She invites him into the tent and she gives him a blanket and he lies down and he asks for water. And instead of water, she gave him milk and covered him with a blanket. Now, the main question is, why did he feel so comfortable going to these people's house and thinking he would be safe there? Well, the reason... Cicero thought he'd be safe here is because Heber and his wife are Kenites and Kenites are supporters or our Kenites are followers of Cicero and Jobin, the king of Canaan. So you see, you see he, they're, they're, they're familiar faces. So of course he's assuming he's in a safe place. <laughs> he about to be in for a rude awakening dude. So, you know, he come in the house and, and, I honestly, I kind of wonder where Heber was because it don't really make mention that he even there. Like he's greeted by Jael. So I'm assuming that he ain't even at home. So she done let this strange man in her house. But anyway, he, he, he asked her for a blanket and he lies down and he asked her for some water. She gave him some milk um, and she covered him with a blanket. Some believe this milk was made to make him sleepy. Um, I guess it could. It's heavier than water, so possibly. And so when he lie down, he get all comfortable. You know, he tells her, if somebody asks, you know, if anybody up in here, just say no. And then he he goes to sleep. That is, it's crazy to me that you run in from people, you in a war, and you decided to go take a nap. That's just stupid. I, I mm. Anyway, so when he falls asleep, 
Jael goes, she takes a tent peg, which is basically a large stake and a hammer and nails it in the temple of his head and kills him. Dead. He did. I don't know if y'all ever seen a tent peg, but it's humongous. It's like this long, big around, depending on how big the tent is, like and so she she nailed it inside his head and that killed him so when Barack gets to his tent he finds Cicero's dead body and you know she, she tells him there you go I killed him he did so Barack don't get the victory for this 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 war because eventually they do go on to defeat the king of Canaan, which was Jabin or Jabin, how we say his name. But he don't get the victory. Jael and Deborah get the victory for this because um, <clears throat> Deborah came with the message and Jael actually killed the commander of the army. Now, some wonder why she would kill him. My assumption is you gotta you, you really gotta use context clues here because her husband left the Kenites. He separated from his family from the Kenite people and moved to an area away from the Kenites. So that leads me to believe that he could have possibly become a follower of Yahweh. And most of most wives follow whatever religion their husband has. So I'm assuming Yael as well became a follower of Yahweh. Sisera is an enemy of Yahweh and Yahweh's people. So would kill Cicero. I mean, I really wanted to talk about how there's this negative uh, rhetoric going around, and I've seen it a lot lately, about women and how women should sit down and shut up and how God can't use women and blah, blah, blah. I just want to point out how this is evidence that that is a lie because in Deborah's day before they were kings like I said there were judges God could have chosen a male judge over these people but he chose a woman he chose Deborah to be their leader and I'm gonna assume that Deborah was married because it was very rare for a woman to be single back then he could have chose her husband, but he didn't. She was chose. She was chosen as the judge. She was chosen not only as the leader of the Israelite people. She was also chosen as their prophet, which meant she was the direct mouthpiece to God for the Israelite people. So she was not only their political leader, she was their spiritual leader. So that right there is evidence that God can use whoever he wants to use, whether that be male, female, Adult, teenager, child, black, white, pink, blue, whatever. God will use whoever he wants to use. There is no, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't have to be or look a certain way for God to use you. Like I said, that negative rhetoric that women can't do this, women can't do this, blah, 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 blah. That's a lie. God used two women for Israel to have a victory in this story. 
Denver was their leader politically and spiritually. And then he used a woman to to take out the enemy. Like at that moment, it, he could have used Heber, which was Jael's husband, but he didn't. He chose to use the wife. Like I said, that right there is testament to the fact that God will use whoever he wants to use. So don't let no one try to shame you into being quiet, saying you can't say anything about God. You can't speak up for God. You can't do this, blah, 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 whatever it is. God will use whoever he wants to use. I just wanted to say that. But anyway, that's the story of Jael and Deborah. You can find that story in Judges chapter four. Read it for yourself. You do not have to take my word for it. Ask God for understanding. Thank you for watching this video. Please like, comment, and subscribe. My name is Jerrica, and you can find me at Ghetto Bible Tales on all my social media pages. That is Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, GhettoBibleTales.com, whatever. Please leave a comment. Please like. Please share this video with your family and your friends. If you want to request a video, please leave a comment on this video. Or you can hit me up on any of my social media pages. I do see your comments and I do respond. Thank you for watching this video again. And until next time, peace out, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. All Ghetto Bible Tale episodes are posted on YouTube simultaneously in video format. You can follow Ghetto Bible Tales on all social media pages at Ghetto Bible Tales. You can also head on over to GhettoBibleTales.com and request a story or topic that you wish for me to discuss on the show. Once again, this has been your host Jerrica and this has been the Ghetto Bible Tales. Oh,